0: You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this exciting message from Senior Pastor Robin McMillan. I want us to read a couple of verses of Scripture. What I'm talking about today is the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Sort of a continuation of some of the things uh, we've been teaching. And... I'm going to do several things. I'm going to read a testimony, then I'm going to have someone later bring a testimony about how the Lord touched them. And um, then I want us to uh, pray for anyone who needs to be prayed for. And, um, yeah, before we do that, why don't we pray and ask the Lord to help us. I mean, I need help. Anybody else need help? Even Jesus said, I myself can do nothing. If Jesus couldn't do anything, what are we doing, right? So, Father, we ask, Lord, I ask um, that you would help me touch the truth of what you have today in a way that would be meaningful to all of us. Lord, I pray for, um, I just continue Aaron's prayer for hearts to remember who they are with you and who you are for them. Lord, I pray for... Uh, healing um, in any direction you are prepared to release it today, in body, soul, spirit, emotions, uh, Lord, because you're so good and you love us. So help us today, Lord. We want to know you better, and we want to be everything you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to... Yeah, somebody's phone rang. I thought it might be for me, but uh, apparently it wasn't. That's all right. I think this is going to be good today because I had a terrible night last night. Does anybody understand how that works? But uh, moving right along. One of the testimonies I have um, comes out of the life of a friend I met in Little League. I've known him since I was twelve, and uh, we went to played baseball together, junior high, high school. Got saved together, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, actually, lived on a farm together in a Christian community for better part of eight years. And he and his wife, because of some of what I'm going to talk about, I'm really not going to call him by name today because it's a little bit it's a difficult situation. But it came out. Um, well, the Lord really touched their lives after they went through a pretty serious difficulty. But I, I've got this in um, my book, Harbinger of Hope. It's on Amazon, discounted now at twelve ninety five. It's going down, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, and so here, are just a couple of paragraphs of testimony about what happened in their life, dear friends of mine. I love seeing people touched by the Lord in this empowering and emotional way. Um, people's experiences like that are precious. Sometimes when the Lord touches people deeply, their experience is not one of joy and laughter, but may manifest instead in weeping and or profound healing. That too is an aspect of his power being imparted. One evening I preached on the power of the Holy Spirit using the following two verses from Paul's letter to the Galatians. Quote, This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Let me read that again. That's such a powerful verse. It really talks about the free gift of the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law by being a good person, by doing it all right, or by the hearing of faith. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So that's uh, Galatians 3 2 and then verse 3 5. The point of my message was that faith is the only qualifier for encountering the Lord and receiving a miracle from him. I challenged the congregation that night to believe God for the specific thing they needed, and then I began to pray for people. A couple who were dear friends of mine were there that night. That's the ones I was talking about. They had lost their oldest child in a tragic car accident. The mother was traumatized by repetitive, oppressive vision of her daughter's accident. And so what happened was the, the, the accident was so tragic and difficult and it was so traumatic for her parents. The car flipped over on a country road and it caught fire and it was, just, it was just a terrible thing. But my friend's wife would have this recurring vision imagining what actually went on and what actually happened to her daughter and it was demonic. Can you imagine how horrible... That would be to lose your oldest child. And then on top of it, the devil imposed on you through the trauma something that hideous and horrible that you couldn't control. And so uh, I write, the vision often played over and over in her mind like a broken record and she was helpless to stop it. At the end of the meeting that night, several of us prayed for her and she wept so hard that I was concerned for her. In my mind, I heard the enemy say to me, see what you've done, you've pushed her over the edge and she's losing her mind. I quietly responded, she's had 40 years to lose her mind and I've only been praying a few minutes. I'm not quitting. So my friend stopped sobbing after a while and I learned that the miracle she sought was to be free of those terrible recurring visions. Since... This is what happens when the Lord messes with me. I go, I don't know. But um, since that powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, she has never been oppressed by that vision again. Jesus healed her that night as we prayed and she wept. And so she... She gave me permission... To, to actually include this in the book, so it would be a, an encouragement to people. So, The verses I want us to read, let's read these together. Um, Acts 1-4, then we'll read verse 8. Jesus instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about. The gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be. Holy Spirit. But I promise you this the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be filled with power. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on earth. So that was some of the very last things Jesus told. His disciples. So when you look at the book of Acts, it's it's titled in the Bible, the Acts of the Apostles. But truthfully, um, it should be a more precise and accurate name for the book should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And it really only covers uh, three apostles, but really only two: Peter and Paul. to the most degree. John's in there some with Peter in the early parts of the book of Acts. But it really just covers Peter's life and then later Paul's life. and um, But it's really a history of what happened with the early believers because Jesus had sent back the Holy Spirit. I want to quote from Brian Simmons' intro to the book of Acts. Uh, It goes this way, if Jesus was front and center in the book of Luke, the Holy Spirit takes center stage in the book of Acts. He's the promised gift dispensed to Christ's disciples and unleashed through them on the world in full power. He enables the church to carry out its mission. He empowers them to bear witness to the gospel. And he anoints God's people to perform mighty wonders. And here's something we really need to hear, folks. The Spirit isn't reserved for the select or the holy few. He's the promised gift given to all whom God has called and who believe in his Son. And so in my studies of the gospel, I would think if I had spent three and a half years in the personal company of Jesus... I would be equipped to do anything. How many of you would sort of think that way? They weren't. Jesus, being with Jesus for three and a half years, face to face was not enough to equip even the apostles. The 12 apostles and a certain number of close disciples spent three and a half years with Jesus. And yet after he resurrected and ascended, these apostles were not sufficiently empowered to live victorious, overcoming lives. Here's an example in John chapter 20, verse 19. That evening, the disciples gathered together, and because they were afraid of reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they had locked the doors to the place where they met. But suddenly, Jesus appeared among them and said, Peace to you. So what we find is Jesus, after his resurrection, but prior to his ascension, he appeared, the Bible says, many times. And he taught them specifically about the kingdom of God. But even that was not sufficient to equip them to live the Christian life. I mean, that's almost heresy that Jesus is not enough to help us. But this is just, this is just uh, we have to understand that there's more to it. Gosh, walked with Jesus for three and a half years and still a loser. That would be disappointing, wouldn't it? That would be a head-scratcher. What did they need? What was the answer? How could they no longer be afraid? How could they be effective in the world after he left? I mean, Jesus said, I'm leaving. And they were saying, well, we don't think that's a good idea. And he says, no, it is a good idea. It's the best idea. Because if I don't leave, I cannot send back the Holy Spirit who was in essence... Jesus imparted in a personal, experiential way to every single believing person. That ought to ring a little tiny amen out of somebody. So, Jesus, we read this earlier, said don't leave Jerusalem but wait. Um, The gift of the Holy Spirit is coming, John baptized you in water, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. When he comes upon you, you will be filled with power and you will be my witnesses, my messengers, or the the root word, there's martyrs, to Jerusalem, Judea, all throughout the world. So, the Bible teaches us that the promised gift of the Holy Spirit given in power was never rescinded was not just for their generation, but was for every succeeding generation. And so what this means is whatever you see or saw the disciples do or experience in the book of Acts is available for you to experience just as well. That's what that means. Acts 2.39, this was after Pentecost, and Peter, who goes After Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room with the 120, instead of locking themselves for fear of the Jews, they went out and preached a very confrontational message to that same community of people that they had previously been afraid of. But now, because Jesus was not just an external influence. He had become an internal life force. Their lives were radically changed, even more than having just personally walked with him. They were empowered inside. Peter replied, repent and return to God. And each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one to have your sins removed, that you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. For God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your families, for those yet to be born, and for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Wow. Powerful. There, there have down through the ages been arguments that the, um, the gifts of the Spirit, even speaking in tongues or the, or the infilling of the Spirit, as we see in Acts chapter 2, stop with the apostles. But I've got, I've got history The Huguenots in France, There's people all over the world have had incredible encounters with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why in the world, why in the world, let me ask this question. Is the world more dangerous today than it was 2,000 years ago? Yes, yes. 2,000 years ago, they were throwing rocks at each other. Now we're dropping bombs that kill whole Whatever that, people. (laughs) Yes, so why would God reduce the potency of who he is in a generation that requires more than they required 2,000 years ago? That makes no sense to me whatsoever, and I think that's complete foolishness. And if you believe that, I hope you'll change your mind. I'm not saying you're a fool. I'm not saying that at all because we, 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 we're we the sum total of the things we've been told. But let me tell you this. The Holy Spirit is no different today than he was 2,000 years ago. What he did then, he can do now. But he does it in conjunction with people's faith. If you don't believe he can, he's not as likely to. I, I've, I've seen him touch people that weren't believing anything by the way, but generally speaking, it's it's um, an agreement between us and the Lord to receive the kind of things God wants to do for us. Now, we find in the book of Acts, verse 33 of chapter 2, it says, more of Peter's preaching, God exalted Jesus to his right hand upon the throne of the highest honor, And the Father gave him the authority to send the promised Holy Spirit, which is being poured out upon us today. This is what you're seeing and hearing. And so Peter actually said, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, you can see and hear what goes on. You don't just hear it. Sometimes there's something to see. Sometimes when God touches you, you can be so blessed by the Lord, you may not behave normally. And I think that really is, in all honesty, if I'm going to be as honest as I can be, I believe in the upper room, um, the outpouring of the Spirit looked like a huge party. And I believe with all my heart, God loves to have fun, but he's gotten such a bad rap. He really has. He's a fun-loving person. How many of you like to have fun? Where did that come from, the devil? (laughs) No, it came right out of God's heart. He is a fun-loving, interesting, uncontrollable character who wants to help all of us in ways we may not quite understand. And um, anyway, now, when... When, um, in Acts chapter two, well, let me say this. When the Holy Spirit touches you, something happens. You can feel, although there may be differences in intensity, experience, and outcome. And so it's not like a club you join. And, and I think the Holy Spirit can do something inside a person and they won't know it till the next day. So this is not something you bottle. This is not something you can, you can't, pigeonhole the Lord or any of that, you certainly can't control him. I wish I could, but I can't. I would do the wrong thing, I'm sure. But anyway, the word in uh, Acts chapter 2 where it says um, the Holy Spirit is being poured out, the Passion Translation says splashed out. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't want to get this carpet wet but it'd be more like that you see how sloppy that is (laughs) i just poured out that water well the whole is splashed out well that's the description of what happens the holy spirit can hit you and pop off of you and hit some poor unsuspecting person beside you and they could get as much as you get i have seen that i can't explain it i'm just telling you what i know can happen it's not a scientific experiment. It just works the way it works. Now, Acts 2.13, it says, when the when the Holy Spirit visited the apostles in the upper room, it said that others um, poked fun at them and said they're just drunk on new wine. So there was some indicator that what outside people saw when the Holy Spirit moved, they looked to people as though they were at some level of intoxication. But see, that's not all he does. I made a list of what the Holy Spirit does, and it's certainly not exhaustive, but let me just read some of these. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a gift that the Father promised. Um, The Spirit will do several things. He will come upon you, and he will fill you with power. Another thing, the Holy Spirit brings healing for your physical body and your emotions. The Holy Spirit can enable you to believe and understand the Scripture better. You see Peter preaching um, really sort of a prophetic message out of uh, Joel chapter 2 on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit will enable you to rejoice in difficult circumstances. We'll look at a little bit of that more in a minute. The Holy Spirit will give you courage in the face of opposition. We see the apostles in Jerusalem after having been beaten. For preaching the gospel to the Jews, these are years later after Pentecost. Here's what they pray for. They ask God for more boldness. That, that's, that's amazing. But, but the point is the Holy Spirit can do something. He can make you someone else. He can take your deficits. He can fill your deficits in ways that, um, you really become a completely different person. That I've seen God touch people in ways that they're so transformed you almost don't recognize them. So here's what I wanted to do. In the book of Acts, there's um, an episode where Paul and his partner are put into prison because I want us to see the wide range of characteristics that the holy spirit imparts to people it's not just a power encounter it affects you on many different levels when you've had and cultivate this life in god and with the holy spirit and so when we look in um acts chapter 16 i'll read these verses uh paul and silas had um preached the gospel apparently they had cast a demon out of a fortune-telling woman And it made her owners mad, and so they beat them up and put them in prison. And so we find Paul and Silas in prison after they were severely beaten, and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. Verse 25, Paul and Silas, listen to the adjective that describes them in this situation, and it's because of the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. "'Paul and Silas undaunted prayed in the middle of the night "'and sang songs of praise to God "'while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. "'Suddenly a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. "'All at once every prison door flung open "'and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. "'Startled, the jailer awoke, saw every cell door standing open.' Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself when Paul shouted in the darkness, Stop! Don't hurt yourself! We're all still here. This is a crazy story. Who would have been running? (laughs) The jailer called for a light. When he saw that they were still in their cells, he rushed in and fell trembling at their feet. Then he led Paul and Silas outside and asked this question, what must I do to be saved? And what he was saying was, what must I do to be men like you men? He didn't mean saved from people that were going to kill him because he lost his prisoners because they were all there. He had, he had, he saw in these two men something so extraordinary, he wanted what they had. And it was because of the power of the Holy Spirit. They answered, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your family. Then they prophesied the word of the Lord over him and all his family. Even though the hour was late, he washed their wounds. Then he and all his family were baptized. He took Paul and Silas into his home, into his home, set them at his table and fed them. The jailer and all his family were filled with joy in their newfound faith in God. Now that is a much more extraordinary tale than you might imagine. First of all, Paul and Silas have been beaten terribly. Then they were put in the worst, most secure part of the prison and both their ankles and their hands were shackled. And the Bible says they were undaunted. And at midnight, they had the courage and the resilience to begin to pray and sing. Who does that? Well, these two guys had been so touched by the Lord. I just loved that. Verse 26, an earthquake came. I I am only convinced that earthquake came in response to two men like that filled with the Holy Spirit who were undaunted and sang and praised and worshiped God in the terribleness of that situation. I cannot imagine that earthquake was just going to happen anyway. And it was such a ridiculous thing. The earthquake opened every single jail door. And so what I see here is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can change circumstances in some ridiculous ways. That is so wonderful. Our faith can change circumstances. An earthquake came opening all their cells. I think about Peter too, or Paul, or Peter. Peter was in jail. They had just beheaded his best friend, James, John's brother. Peter gets put in jail. They begin a prayer service to get Peter delivered. And an angel comes in and hits Peter and tells Peter to put your clothes on. I'm getting you out of here. He thinks he's dreaming. He doesn't even believe this is happening. He thinks he's dreaming. And in this dream, although it was really happening, he is walking through the jail following this angel and doors start opening and suddenly he, he discovers he's outside and he's not dreaming. So he goes to this house where they're having their prayer meeting and he knocks on the door and he says, hey, it's me. I've escaped from jail. And the, the woman that answers the door gets so excited she doesn't open the door. She runs back in and she tells everybody Peter's here. And they've been praying for his release and they said, no, that can't be Peter. He's in jail. No, Peter's here. Well, it must be his angel. I guess your angel looks like you. You ever thought about that? I don't know. Why would they say that if that weren't true? So then they suddenly realized, oh, that really is Peter. Well, Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. It's powerful. Now... Paul had been put in jail unrighteously because he was a Roman citizen and he did not have a fair trial before he was tried and beat up, or actually no trial before he was beat up. And that was a serious offense under Roman occupation in Roman countries. So when the jail opens, any person in their normal mind would get out of there as quickly as possible. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul starts ministering to the jail keeper and trying to keep him from killing himself. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit inspired this compassion. You see, Paul was the prisoner of the Lord. He knew... Wherever he was, there was divine purpose wrapped up in it. And he was the kind of man that was going to squeeze all the juice out of his orange. And if he was in that prison, he was going to maximize whatever he could. So he tells the jailer, don't kill yourself. We're all here. Nobody left. Then... He had the presence of mind to lead the jailer and his family to faith in Christ. So then he becomes an evangelist. Then they prophesy over the entire family. You know, they're still all beaten and bloody from having been beat up. How do they do this? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Encourage them. Released to them compassion. Built into them a kind of character the world knows nothing about. No one in their so-called right mind would have reacted the way Paul and Silas did in prison that day. Why did they? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. I like that. Now, um, it was very interesting to me that Michelle mentioned Ezekiel 47 about the river. Because one one of the descriptions of... The Holy Spirit in in the Old Testament is as water. And um, I'm not going to get into that. We're getting close to noon and I want to do something else. I want uh, Don, uh, I want Don Harvester to come up. Uh, He has a testimony of getting healed because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to heal some people. How many of you need a touch? How many of you really, you need a touch? Well, good. This is Don Hardister. He's a good friend of mine. I get my own mic. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to be within reach. Be <laughs> sure? <is> <laughs> <laughs> but you have to be within reach.
1: Oh, That's because he knows I like to talk and it's late and... Worse than that, I like to hear myself talk, too. So I got stuff to say. Let me say something. Pastor Andy, good. Oh, man. The music is just unbelievable. Anybody agree with me on that? Awesome. Wow. I had a rough week. I was in the lion's den and the uh, fiery furnace all at the same time, Friday night, and the Williams cousins and sisters just... Recharge my battery instantly, and I know I got to stay on task. I know why I'm here Sorry, oh if he's a little bit country. I'm 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 a little bit rock and roll. I'm sorry I I got something to say. Let me just jump in. Okay, so can I set it up? Yeah, go ahead Or do you want to talk about something else? I I don't know (laughs) I've been waiting a long time to get up here (laughs) Yay, God feels good. Mm, I might get down getting that water over there
0: Let me me set this up. All right, set it up. (laughs) I'm not scared. Now, this is in the book I'm currently writing, so it's free until it comes out. As head of security in a large regional hospital, Don um, led his staff in keeping order when patients became violent. One night, a psychotic man knocked Don down, slammed his head against a door handle in a room... Where violent patients were contained. That's close.
1: Actually, let me I had guys to take care of that, but when it was really bad, they, they called me because that's that was my specialty and got down there. This guy was 6'4 and weighed 320 pounds, which I like. You can do calculus, that just scares me to death. This kind of stuff, this is this is what I do. So I used a little bit of leverage to take the guy easily down to the floor. Leverage in my world is judo, but since we're in church, I'll say I used a little leverage (laughs) and got the guy down. And unfortunately, on the way down, easing him to the floor, um, I struck my right eye on the doorknob. Just wanted to clarify that a little bit. No, that's uh... he did not knock me down. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no.
0: Did I say he knocked you down? Yes, you did. I'll change that to Don knocked himself down. <laughs> just, just wanted to clarify that. Let's let's be. Well, that's why I have you here. I, I wanted to do this right. Cool. So. Cool. Oh, what happened after he didn't well, knock you down, but yeah, you were lowering him down?
1: Yeah, as I was easily putting him down,
0: <laughs> um,
1: I hit my my right cheek on the doorknob, and it and it blinded me. I, I hit it really hard, and it blinded me. And about the time we were in a pile on the floor, a Rock Hill City officer came in. And he didn't think he wanted to easily roll around a little bit, so he just sprayed both of us with pepper spray. And we both quit what we were doing immediately, and they drug me in one room and secured him in another. But I realized I'm hurt. I can't see. I I, I was blind, and I don't mean I just couldn't see well. I mean, I couldn't see. I couldn't see at all. And that that went on for probably... mm, about ten minutes, then my left eye started coming back a little bit, but my right eye never did, and I got this real salty taste in my mouth, real salty and i didn't i didn 't understand that. What did that come? well, um, from the x-ray, I had um, uh, fractured my right eye orbit, and the tear duct was pouring tear into my sinus cavity rather than it coming out, you know, and rolling down your cheek. So I knew something wasn't quite right because the nurses were coming in and talking to me, and as they were talking to me, they'd almost like lose balance. I'm like, what? What's what's this? And one of them said, how do you do that? I'm like, what? They said, move your eyes separately. (laughs) You see, my eyes were blurry. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't know, but the muscle in my right eye was hanging in that fracture, and it, wouldn't, it would only move so far, and the other eye was, was free to move. So what that came down to was some, some pretty extensive surgery that they were going have to have to have. Now, this was at the time that the Toronto Blessing was going on, and Robin had invited me to go up there with him. So I did, and that was another experience we won't get into here. But they had a prayer line. They asked at the end, they asked for people to, they had people designated to pray. And so I got in this guy's prayer
0: line, and it, um, this was a really big, big guy. And um, he won the NFL Strongman Contest, this guy, literally, Ed McGlosson. Yeah, big guy. played for the New York Giants.
1: So I'm in front of Robin and I go up and was getting ready to explain to him, you know, I got this blowout fracture in my right eye and it's, it's going to be some surgery and things. I don't really want to go through that. And he just looked at me kind of funny. He had a hand about the size two of mine and he just slapped me right in my right eye just as hard as he could. <laughs> knocked me. I did get knocked down on that one. He knocked me completely in the floor. Then he jumped down on top of me, and he said, what would your Baptist relatives think about you now? And, you know, my Baptist relatives have thought I've been crazy for a long time, so it wouldn't have bothered them in the the least. But I thought, wow, you know, I came all the way to Toronto to get this. So we travel back, and I'm scheduled to meet with a surgeon And Robin called me in my office, and he said, hey, I'd like to pray for you. And I said, hey, yeah, let's go. So Robin started praying for me, and as he did, my right eye started gushing tears to the point that it literally wet the tie I was wearing. It it was wet. And I said to Robin, stop praying. I'm worse. (laughs) I said, something's wrong. Well, I had just been around to see Dr. Zellner, who was our ED doc. And I said, hey, I want to get an eye chart. I want, a, I want an eye test on my eye. So he tested my vision, and my vision was uh, 2200 in my right eye. That, of course, 20, probably 2070 to 2160 is pretty pretty blind. Do you understand the eye chart twenty twenty know what twenty twenty means twenty feet you're twenty feet from the eye chart and if you're twenty twenty vision it means that that's normal that people standing twenty feet from the eye chart see the same thing you are so there's nothing special about you okay you just see like everybody else that's that's what that means so i'm twenty two hundred so it means that At 20 feet, I can only see what someone's standing 200 feet from the eye chart. Wow. You see, does that help you? Give you a little comparison, 2200? Wow. I'm standing 20 feet from the eye chart. You can stand 200 feet from it and see what I see, okay? So I had come around, that's when Robin called, and then that's when the gushing started and I wet my tie with so the, the gushing the started
0: after you went to twenty two hundred, right? Yeah,
1: well I'd been twenty two hundred in my right eye.
0: And then I yeah. prayed.
1: And then and you and- prayed and it got worse. I my, my eye was just gushing <laughs> gushing water. And so <clears throat> you know, I told him stop. So I ran back around to Dr. Zellner and he's like, What are you doing back? I said, well, I want to, you know, something's wrong with my eye. You know, this thing's, he says, how'd you wet your tie? I said, it's from my eye. Your eye? I said, yeah. He said, well, come over here to the eye chart. So I stood there. I couldn't see anything because I had tears in my eyes. So he put these drops in my eyes to, to, to dry all of that up. And then I did a right eye vision test. And my vision went from 2200 to 2016. And if to put that in perspective, you're at 20 feet uh, and I'm at 16 feet. Okay, so I'm four feet better. I, that's better than normal, I vision. And then I realized I didn't have that taste in my mouth and all that. The problem with all of this is explaining to your workers' comp insurance company that your pastor <laughs> prayed for you and you're healed. My eye never caught again. I didn't have surgery. Now, listen, if, if you don't want to get in line for this, hey, I, I get it, because I'm usually the guy that doesn't get in line for it. I had a good pastor friend of mine that's pastor of a very large church here in town, if I called his name. 90% of you would know. He he really poo-pooed me on this. And he got sick. He had surgery. I didn't. <laughs> it's whatever you want. I mean, you know. <laughs> and if you think, you know, well, listen, hey, I get it. And I'd like for that in my life. But, you know, I've, I've got these things that that I'm doing that just, you know, just not there yet. You're looking at a knucklehead if you think my life's in order you don't have a clue at all so jesus said i'll make you fishers of men make you he didn't say you will be fishers of men he said i will make you fishers of men and andy can talk a lot more about fish than i can but when you get a fish it's not ready to eat when you become a fish there's some cleaning involved, and it's a step process, so get all of that out of your mind i 'm not good enough oh i didn't, you know. You're not you aren't i wasn't either still didn't but i'm thankful i didn't have surgery, but I finally had to sign a bunch of waivers, and what they made me sign was that they would never ever until the end of time be responsible for my right eye
0: so There you go, boss. That's it. Good job. Thank you. Yep.
1: Hey, Christopher, thank you for making me sound good. I think I hear a little bass on there. Sound like a man. Like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, the truth is, um, I prayed over the telephone, and it was a sorry prayer. Because it's not about how well you do it. It's just the Lord wants to touch people. And I was as surprised as Don was, quite honestly. But the Lord wants to, he just wants to he just wants to help people. So any, we're going to close today's meeting this way. Any of you that want prayer for whatever, why don't you just get out of your seats and come up front. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.